0: By your side. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Anti Politics Podcast. My name is Rob Reynoso. With me again are my great friends, Alan and Rachel Nelson. Uh, today we have a very special guest with us, but before I introduce them, I'd just like to make sure to get in that we are sponsored by. Once and again, by MyARKit, it is a digital photo album where you can save all your memories and pass them on throughout the generations. So make sure you head on over to MyARKit.com and use our code DYFWH20. All right. Alan, Rachel, and introducing our special guest today, Lars Mapstead also known as Lars for president <laughs> welcome to board, man thank you thank you i saw all
1: the uh, acorn memes going going deep right there so that's good we got they, <laughs> yeah. we're all acorn memeing out i had a few good ones pop off this week yeah, yeah we got to gotta yeah. gotta shame them when we can right <laughs> it was so, that was so ridiculous and the guy's like he's like a full fortnite guy he's like somersaulting and emptying his whole <laughs> his whole thing into the car is so ridiculous it's like and, and like he's still like waiting for something to happen and there's like nothing because it's an acorn <laughs> and
0: you know what's funny is i don't know if you guys noticed this but when he when he was like crawling on the ground behind the car in the driveway he uh drops his loaded magazine onto the driveway and proceeds yeah. to aim an empty service weapon at <laughs> supposed threat yeah
1: and I, I don't know like it was his gun was laying on the ground for a while and I'm like what what is he doing and it, i don't yeah it was weird that was weird
0: and yeah.
2: they they patted him down like they had already checked as well so I'm not sure why they were on such a nerve i mean obviously their situation there's tensions and things everybody looked really nervous like I would have suspected it was the other guy that was gonna do something yeah but in the end it's like you patted him down. Rule 1, so I'm not sure where you started with the concern there. If you did it correctly, you shouldn't be concerned.
3: Well, they they forgot about the
1: super assault squirrels. (laughs) 100%. (laughs) The super, yeah, that's a Fortnite character, the squirrel. And I'm always uh, terrified when I'm playing Fortnite and the squirrel comes out, because you know those acorns are coming at you hard. (laughs) (laughs) Love it.
3: Love it. This is going off to a good start already. I love it. I love it. So, squirrels and acorns aside, um, ha- Lars, do you want to kick this off with just, uh, you know, repping yourself real quick, what you're doing and, and what
1: you're trying to stand for? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, I, the, I think I'll start off with kind of how I got here a little bit. And that is that I, I've always been kind of a maverick when it comes to voting. I voted for Ross Perot and then I voted for Ron Paul. Uh, I never felt like the duopoly represented me at all. Um, and in 2007, I was taking one of those online quizzes on Facebook, and and I thought, oh, this will be a hoot, because it'll tell me whether I'm a Republican or a Democrat. I've never known myself. Um, So I take this quiz, and it says, you're a libertarian. What what the hell's a libertarian? So I literally had to Google what's a libertarian, and I'm reading, you know, I don't know if I landed on the, uh, you know, um, all the positions or what exactly where I landed but I started reading whatever it was and I was like oh crap these are my people this is like I believe like 95 percent of this stuff right here like this is like how did I not know about these people and then I realized like I had voted for Ron Paul as a libertarian and still didn't know what a libertarian was right and I'm running into that all the time running this campaign I'm you know people are like oh you're a libertarian so that means you're a libtard because it has lib in it or you're a MAGA that smokes dope Uh, You know, and it's like 50 years later of libertarian stuff, and we still haven't got the basic message of what a libertarian is out to the regular people, right? I mean, it's pretty crazy. Um, Yeah, so then, you know, I... I got to COVID. We all got to COVID. And uh, I remember I watch a lot of business news. And so I saw COVID kind of coming before most people even knew what was going on. I was telling my friends, I'm like, hey, there's this crazy crap going down in China. And um, they're like welding their people into their houses. Like they're not Mm -hmm. like it's crazy over there right now. And I said to myself, oh, thank God I live in America where they would never lock us down like that. Right? (laughs) Right? Oh, crap. You know, like two, two, three months later, we're all, I live in California. So they were like basically imprisoning us, you know, and, and shutting everybody's businesses down and laying everybody off. And it was horrible. And then, you know, in the middle of all that, if that wasn't bad enough, we ended up having like the BLM riots, you know, right in the middle of all that stuff. Right. And I remember just watching this and just watching them like burn down buildings and cities all across America. And I'm just like, wow, people are super pissed off. And then after that, we saw the January 6th stuff, and I realized it didn't matter if you were left or right. You were just totally pissed off at America, right? You were totally pissed off at the system. The system, everybody's disenfranchised. Everybody feels they're rigged against them, whether it's the criminal justice system or election system, healthcare care system, um, you know, the economy, on and on, right? And so I was like, I can't just do nothing. I'm like, I'm feeling hopeless right now. I'm feeling like things are getting spiraling out of control. And uh, I was watching Joe and Spike traveling around the country in the, uh, you know, and they had a little bus, but they were in the middle of COVID. So they were having to deal with it. Right. And, and I, and so just a quick like segue, my background is uh, I grew up really poor uh, with an outhouse and no electricity. And I went on to found a company called Friendfinder Networks, which I grew to uh, 600 employees doing $350 million a year in sales. So I became an expert at online marketing, internet marketing, uh, that sort of thing. And so I'm watching them go across the country in this bus, and I thought, "Wow, if I applied my marketing skills to what they're doing, I could get a lot of people to Google what is a libertarian. I could probably get a lot more people than what they're doing right now. Not that they did a bad job or anything. It's just that I felt like I did, it, you know, would do things differently, right? And so. I thought I was watching them and I thought, you know, I could probably run for president. And I watched a couple of the debates and I'm like, I, I have as good of ideas as any of these people. You know, I should probably run for president of the United States. And so I called up national and I was like, what do you got to do to run for president of the United States? And they're like, well, here's this guy, TJ, He'll he'll run you through it. Right. And so I literally just filed the paperwork and just started down the journey of doing that. And so that's kind of where we got. And I just and, and as I started running, I realized how completely rigged the system was against somebody running like i didn't i mean i knew that it was corrupt i knew that we had the illusion of choice that i I was always voting for clinton or bush clinton or bush you know and it just felt like that wasn't really a choice um but i didn't realize how rigged ballot access was how rigged gerrymandering is how rigged winner take all systems are in states where 70 percent of people's vote for president doesn't mean anything like the, mm. it, literally, only thirty percent of America chooses who the president's going to be, and that is ridiculous to me. Right? Um, yes. There's so many broken systems, and so I just, you know, we were trying to figure out what's going to be this campaign slogan. What? Are we, how are we going to try to run on this thing? And I really wanted to run on just like unrigging uh, ballot access and and getting the system fixed. Right, but I didn't think that that was sexy enough to like like get to the regular people like regular people don't care about ballot access. They like, it's super nerdy. Right. And so, and so I was like, okay, well, what can we do? And then finally we were, we just kept having these conversations and everybody's like, that's a rigged system The criminal justice is a rigged system and healthcare is a rigged system. I'm like, well, why don't we just unrig all of it? Why don't we just come up with policy that can just fix all this crap? Right. And so that's kind of how we, we got onto this little journey here. Okay. I love it, dude. Love it. Appreciate that explanation, that backstory. Uh, And with
3: that being all said, obviously, the Libertarian Party's main goal right now is we know with it being rigged, we're not going to win the presidential election, right? Yep. Yep. We want to hit 5%. So what do you think stands you out from everybody else to make that 5% happen?
1: Yeah, we have to do something totally different than what we've done before, because uh, we had two governors run, and they couldn't hit the 5% right? Mm -hmm. There's not two governors running right now. So the chances of the people getting 5% right now are slim. And because RFK is running, he's sucking all the money and the protest vote out of the room, right? And so that's going to be a real problem. So, uh, one of the things that what happened, and I, will scale back a little bit. Um, i you know i ran a big company but i only ever talked to people over the phone and uh and like just personal conversations like we're having right now but i never was a really good public speaker it wasn't something that was in my wheelhouse in fact it kind of terrified me and uh so i knew that that was going to be my big stick so i started doing toastmasters and i called up this guy that i really um i thought did a really good job of messaging our message to regular people and his name is Larry Sharp. You might have heard of him before. Yeah. And, yeah, a few times. and I said, Larry, uh, you got to help me out with my speeches, bro. You got to help me like, like message like you do. Right. So I hired Larry almost like, I think about eight or nine months ago. And uh, he came on basically as a second campaign manager, speech writer, that sort of thing. And he's just been helping guide the campaign all along. Um, and so, you know, he had, he had said on one of these podcasts, I think there might be an opportunity to do something different and that is to win an electoral vote on election night and that like went into my marketing brain and i was like wait what yeah that would be crazy because it's like if if california was blue and texas was red and florida was red and new york was blue and what the hell is this gold crap on the map like on election night they're going across right the talking heads on cnn and fox would just they'd lose their minds because they wouldn't even they probably wouldn't even have the color to put up on the map they'd be scrambling graphics people to to get it going right so larry sharp ran for governor twice i believe yeah and Mm -hmm. his one of his things that he did is he didn't go to New York city. He went out into the burbs, into the little areas of New York and he campaigned in little, uh, in little coffee shops and diners across the land. And what happened was he started gaining traction there. And that is when the media picked him up. If he had started in New York city, he would have been buried and lost, but because he was doing something that no one else was doing, he got this traction. So I want to focus on two States. And, the, and I really did a lot of research on this. Maine and Nebraska are the only two states in the nation that split their electoral vote. OK. And so and then I started looking at like the populations of all the states, like what's the states with the least population that you could win an electoral vote in? Right. Well, it turns out that Maine and Nebraska, because they split their electoral vote, you only have to get 250,000 votes to win an electoral vote okay and if we are in these states and we're like showing that we're getting traction that we might actually win these electoral votes that's going to cause the media storm to come in and be like what are the libertarians doing they might throw the election they might screw it up for trump or biden or whatever and there's a little cherry on top of all this and that is is if you win electoral votes you can cause neither president to get 270 electoral votes And this goes to a thing in the Constitution called a contingent election. Okay. And the contingent election sends the selection of the president to the House of Representatives. Okay. And we all saw how crazy it was for the House of Representatives to pick the Speaker of the House. right? And the last time this happened, it took 36 votes for them to pick who was going to be president. So it'd be like months on end of them harangling of whether they're going to pick Joe Biden or Donald Trump or, you know, perhaps one of the other guys, right? And so I think that this is the best way to get literally tens of millions of dollars in free advertising for the Libertarian Party, because the media will be talking about it nonstop. And if you had to pay them for that, it would literally be tens of millions of dollars. And yeah. My goal is to get everyone in America to Google what is a libertarian because that's how I found it. And I believe there's a lot of people that are libertarians that just don't know it yet. And if they Google what the hell is a libertarian and why did they screw up the election and why did they give the middle finger to the duopoly this time, right? Like that would be huge. And that's how we grow the party. That's how we, we um, you know, I often hear, I'd vote for you guys, but you can't win.
2: But if, <laughs> yes, all but the if, time.
1: Uh, right. Yeah, but if we won an electoral vote, Every candidate across the nation, no matter what state they were in, would say, yeah, we can win if you just actually get out and do the vote. We can actually change that, but you have to vote for me, right? And that changes the game completely. So I'm trying to do something different. No other candidates are trying to do this. It's it's exactly my wheelhouse. Everything that I do in my businesses was always about kind of thinking outside the box, looking at a problem and figuring out a solution to that problem that... No one else did. And come. And I'm a total gorilla marketer, right? Uh, that's I, that's what I love to do. And I'll give you an example of that. So I've been running ads on Twitter for over a year now. Uh, and then Facebook, almost almost three years on Facebook, I've been running ads. And I'm reaching half a million people a day on my Twitter account through these ads, right? And it's working because I've gotten in nine national polls across the nation. Fox put me on a poll uh the wall street journal put me on a poll a whole bunch of others and so they basically made me the de facto libertarian candidate because they they just assume that i'm the guy or whatever right and so that's how we get that and i basically rigged i not rigged that i i engineered that by creating a bunch of polls online and then the pollster saw that and said oh he's the guy <laughs>
0: I saw um, I saw a strategy similar to this. I don't know, but you're in marketing, so you probably saw this, and you might have even studied it because it was so fucking genius. Um, you know, I can't... I, I'm remembering it vaguely, but the main point is some guy, and it was just some guy, at his house in his backyard, set up a fine fucking dining restaurant. Like, I'm talking five-star, advertised the whole nine yards, set up, like, um, I think a Yelp. He used Yelp. Okay. And he started like making fake accounts and leaving reviews and he just made it seem like it was like this super, super mysterious place that you had to get to that celebrities were going to. And he ended up getting like some famous people that stopped there and people were paying like, I don't know, like hundred, like a hundred, two hundred $200 American, I would assume for like. Basically, what he was preparing was microwave dinners, literally, <laughs> and, and uh, well, very people strange. were eating it. And after, like, you know, experiencing this marketing phenomenon, they're like, "Oh my god, this is amazing food!" And they were just literally eating yeah. it all up. I love those
1: kind of things. There was a yeah. in, in a, quite a long time ago. There was a thing in the early internet where this guy made a big page, and every page the, the page was made up of like ten thousand pixels or something. And you got to click on the pick the page, um, and you could buy an advertisement on there for a dollar. And he literally he sold a million pixels on his page, so he made a million dollars. And because people were going there to put their pick their advertising on there, it got a lot of views, and so it made the advertising worthwhile. And then more people wanted to buy it. The- I mean, it was crazy, and it was like it was called the million dollar page or something stupid like that. Right? <laughs> yeah, like, literally, yeah. Literally. SEO just- to the T. Yeah, it was As, awesome. Well, well uh, Lars, let me follow up that uh, that
3: first question with another one. Um obviously a lot of people that found libertarianism became anarchists after that, right? How can you convince or how do you think you convince people that think there's no way of voting out of this right yeah they think there's no way of voting out of this we're just gonna have to wait for the shit show and we're gonna shoot our way out of this yeah where do you get them to come and get to the poll and actually want to vote for you
1: yeah I, i i totally i totally understand that uh thought process and those feelings for sure because i feel like it's almost you know I just have to shake my head at how rigged our election system is. That, you know, it's like um, in New York, they have, uh, they changed the rules on Larry Sharp and he had to get 45,000 signatures. The Democrats only have to get 15,000 signatures and the Republicans only have to get 5,000 signatures. And you're like, in, you know, if you tell regular people this, they're like, that's a rigged system and that's not American. Right. And so, uh you know i i understand that there that's why we have so many independents and nobody signed up anymore and that's why we have so few people showing up at the polls is because people are disenfranchised and i that's why i think blm happened and january 6 happened is because people are starting to feel like they're not represented and that they have no other choice but to lash out at the system right uh and so I guess my hope is that we don't have to go there, that we don't have to start killing each other in order to fix the system. But I think, yeah, you're right. At a certain point, if the system doesn't fix itself, it's going to fix itself. Right, like in the in a bad way, right? So, I mean, I'm I'm I guess I'm optimistic that there's still an opportunity to try to change the system and 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 fix things. Um, without that, I mean, obviously, that's what our whole country was founded on. They, they, you know, they tried to work and negotiate with Britain to like make it work, and at a certain point, they were just like, "Screw it! Like you guys, we've had it with you guys, and we're we're <laughs> we're sending we're sending you packing." Right? So, I think you know. I, I guess I would just say that we have to try. and uh, because that outcome is gonna happen whether we're you know successful or not. But if we don't try, that's just gonna be the outcome. So we have an opportunity to try to not shed blood and try to fix the system. Um, and I think we should at least try it. I think that you know the, right now, if like every person that was an independent voted for a libertarian, we'd get a libertarian president. That's it. Bottom line. Right. And so it's like if everybody showed up that didn't vote before voted, we could change the system. Right. But they're they're all feeling like it's so rigged and they're so disenfranchised. And it's hard to get that message out to uh, what what is that? Probably 100 million people. Right. We have to like we have to convince 100 million people that like Hey, because what was it? uh, Biden got 90 million votes and Trump got 80 something million. So you need 100 million votes to win. Right. Like basically Mm -hmm. that's it comes down to. Right. Or maybe you need 80 and you split it three ways or whatever and you kind of beat it. Right. But I mean, that's that's a possibility. But the reality is right now. There is no path for an independent or uh, third party to become president. And that's because of that winner take all stuff that I was telling you about. I live in California. In California, if you're a Republican, and 20% of the people vote Republican in California, but 100% of the electoral vote goes to Joe Biden. And that's how it's gonna be right now. And that's how it was before. And it comes down to only like six or seven states that are battleground states that actually can flip flop one way or another. And so that's why the presidents that are campaigning only spend time in those states. They don't even go to California. California has ten, one in 10 people in America. And the presidential candidates never even come here, except for to raise money. That's it. Right. Yep. And so, you know, so this is my number one priority. My number one priority is to unrig our election system. Because if we don't have a functioning election system, then we don't have a functioning republic. That's it. Bottom line. Like if mm-hmm. we don't have trust in our election system, we are going to have chaos and we're going to have more BLM riots and more January 6th. And it's, it's just going to be bad for everybody.
3: So would you say that it
1: takes less time to go vote than it does to clean your gun? Ooh, well, I think if you're a real, <laughs> I think if you're really good at cleaning your, I've seen some guys clean their guns pretty fast. So I think, if you're, I think, I was going to say it
0: depends because you could have one of those fancy fucking cabinets that cleans with the, uh, <laughs> Ultrasound uh, vibrations depend- and UV yeah. light.
1: depends
3: how many rounds you put through it before you clean it. Too, also so. depends on
1: how many guns you got, right? Yeah,
3: exactly. <laughs> That's so, valid. uh but no, I, I do say I asked that question on purpose because yeah. I do think it's valid that I, I think there should be three, four, five, six, seven parties, uh, major parties in the US. And yeah. I, our founding fathers thought the same as well. Um, it, it makes a lot of sense to make sure that we put pressure behind on making sure we have a valid third party that we now have funding for this and that we're now considering the debates for this and this and that and everything else, the whole ether of the BS, right? That is going for office or high office.
1: We can't change Um, any of that. We can't change any of that. If we can't get elected.
3: Exactly. Exactly. So I, I think anybody out there that is either watching this now or listening to it later, um, I get it. I'm an anarchist. I I am. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't make sense. We're not going to vote our way out of this right away. But for our kids, for our grandkids, can we try to make things better and vote for a third party that has the best chance to change the system from the inside and make things at least at bare minimum a little bit better for everybody else? Get the fuck out there and do it. Like, just fucking do it. Vote gold. Let's get gold in. Then we'll bring some other colors in and we'll get fucking crazy and we'll get fucking ham.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, Larry Sharp and uh, I have a whole great team of people. I've got like probably 10 really solid people that know their stuff that are on the equal level as, as Larry Sharp, Tyler Harris, who used to be the executive director. Um, I've got Seth Levy, who's been in the LP for a long time and is, is really good at making sure everybody gets to where they're supposed to be. And Daniel Johnson's my comms guy, um, TJ Ferreira. I've got a, just a solid, solid team of people. And we spent almost seven months crafting policy. And we did two, two uh, pieces of policy every week. Uh, Michael White, who's in Arkansas, I don't know if you know Mark, Michael White, but he he killed it in his debate in Arkansas, his congressional mm-hmm. debate. So I brought him in because he's a great messenger too. And so we've been doing this policy and we pumped out 37 pieces of policy with white papers. Like we're, it's not just like one line, like, hey, whatever, end the Fed, abolish the IRS. It's like, here's how we're going to do it, right? Like here's the things that we're going to do. But the signature piece is the voters bill of rights. Okay. That's the main piece that we put out because like I said, we can't do anything if we can't get elected. Like I I say right now, uh, libertarians have to run a marathon so that we can get to the starting line of the marathon in politics, Mm -hmm. right? Like we're, and we're so tired and burnt out by the time we get there, we spent all our money and all our resources on getting on the ballot. And now we have nothing to run for the regular election. Right. Like that is ridiculous. Right. And so so this thing basically levels the playing field. It gets rid of all the benefits that the duopoly has crafted out for themselves. It ends gerrymandering. It levels the playing field for uh, ballot access across the board. It allows for any citizen to audit the vote. Um, It allows for any citizen to look at the machine code. That is in Mm -hmm. the machines. It allows for felons to get their uh, rights back and be able to vote after they after they have served their time. Um, It allows for a lot of transparency. And then a a final piece of it is it prints out a paper receipt of what you how you voted for you to hold on to and then measure up against what Mm -hmm. the government has. So you can be like, that's not what I got right? And then you can protest it. So it makes it a lot simpler and a lot easier. And it like kind of gets rid of that whole partisan crap. And, and the gerrymandering stuff is a whole nother, you know, ball of wax. And it also allows for states to have multi-district membership. So right now, like California has 54 congressional districts. We have 54 congress people or whatever it is. I can't remember exactly. But it allows you to uh, combine those together, so that you could have like a district with 10 representatives in it and maybe five of them are democrat and two of them are republican and two of them are libertarian and one of them is green party or whatever like that and that way we get better representation like what you were talking about it allows oh. it to kind of open up like that you know i it's not in my policy but i'm a big fan of like rank choice voting or star voting or, or you know some different kind of uh, voting method i think that that's a big thing. I'm a big fan of term limits. I think we need to stop having career politicians and have more people be of service to this country. I think that if you're a politician, it should be a service position in my opinion. So those are some of the pieces that we're, we're working on.
2: So love it. So that being said, we're going to play the what if game just out of funsies a little bit here. <laughs> you are now sitting in the Oval Office and they yep. hand you paperwork and say you can put through, we'll give you two, two executive orders and no one's going to, oh, we're not going to play the fighting over it game. We're not going to send it to Congress. If you could yep. write it out and sign oh. it,
1: the two, what would the, the two be? I think number one would be to end, end the Federal Reserve uh, because yeah, it, <laughs> Look, this thing is like are you guys f- familiar with Cantillon effect, the Cantillon effect. It's basically where the Federal Reserve bros out the banks, the banking cartel, and then the banking cartel hands that money to the corporations and that trickles down to the regular people. And by the time it gets to regular working people, it's like two cents on the dollar and it's after the inflation has hit. Right. And you can just say BlackRock. It's okay. (laughs) So good. Yeah. So I think that this is the number one thing, you know, like this, this should appeal to the left dramatically, because this is why we have wealth inequality and we have income inequality is because of the damn Federal Reserve. Right. They all want to bet. They all want to blame the corporations. But it's not the corporations. It's the banks above the corporations and the Federal Reserve above that. So that's the number one thing that has to go. And I guess if I really, it's a hard toss up between like ending the um, security state or getting rid of the IRS. Can I have a third one? Because I want both of those things. <laughs> you know, you know
2: what? Since those two are high on my list, I'll give you both. Yes, because right, right. I can so, agree; those are fair, fair, you yeah. know, fairly I even think, for two.
1: You know, they both rob you of your freedom. They both uh, are coercive in nature and are just toxic to America. And but they both need to go. Uh, and so those are the things. But you know, I'm not a real fan of um executive orders per se i believe so this is one of the things that i'm that i really want to do if if i'm president i would be reducing the power of president that's a, that's what i would be working towards uh because i feel like congress has given all the power uh to the president and they're not doing their damn job right they they use the president to kind of hide behind and they're like oh he's the bad guy right and then they just like keep doing their power trips behind the scenes kind of a thing so uh, one of the things I talk about, because I, I hate bureaucracy, I think that the more uh, the more um, government we have, uh, government breeds mediocrity, and the more government we have, the more mediocre we become, okay? And so that's okay. what the bureaucratic state is all about, because there's no incentive to do better or be better. It's just like, oh, I'm just here to collect my check and, like, run up the bill, basically, and, and debt be damned, right? Uh, so there's a thing called the Plum Book. And the plumb book is 7,000 positions, which the president gets to appoint. Some of them are through Congress, but a lot of them are just like, hey, I'm, I'm making this guy the guy, right? Or this gal the gal. And, and um, I would not fill any of those 7,000 positions. And some of them are top level stuff, right, <laughs> like Department of Defense and Justice Department, all this kind of stuff. I would not fill it. And if Congress feels like those are positions that are necessary to run the country, then they can write a law to create that position, but I'm not going to fill it. Let it, just let it, you know, sit. And if you're president of the United States and you're a libertarian, you're not really going to be able to do much, but what you can do is you can say no over and over and over again. And basically they have to come up with two thirds vote to over, overthrow your veto. Right. And, and I often say, if Congress can't get together and agree two thirds, then maybe the bill shouldn't be passed at all right if it's yeah. 51% to 49% that means to me that somebody's using government coercion to force their will upon another group of people that's pretty much a majority also right and yeah, and that good. that's where we get this division when people feel like they're being told what to do with their lives by the government and other people are telling them, you have to do this and I'm making the government do it. That's when people start rioting, right? Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, you know, we got to stop telling people how to live their lives and let them do their own thing as long as they're not harming other people. That's the
0: problem. I think think that's what people uh, miss and they drop the ball a lot when they they think that socialism is a good thing, that centralizing everything under government regulation, bringing the means. The transfer of goods, et cetera, et cetera, to that centralized government under their control. I think it's a good thing, but they fail to realize that that that's that social structure that that they think is a utopia and it's going to be great requires one thing that is dreaded amongst so many people who lie in the minority, and that could change, right? from subject to subject, depending on what you believe in and what your ideology is. That four out of five people, that are in the, the green right they're they're in the green their life is lavish but that that one fifth of people is just subject to whatever that fourth of people wants to do with the government
1: yeah. yeah yeah i think i think like socialism is interesting because i think like when you like if you have a, a really good society like we had in maybe the 50s and the 60s where, where the economy was really booming and people were you know able to feed themselves and house themselves and, and work just one job and not really have to like struggle as much as we are today, mm-hmm. um, I think that you know people are like, well, if we just like share stuff with other people, that's that's good and we should do that. And it, and it sounds great at first. But as less and less people are working and more and more people are becoming mediocre because the government is breeding this mediocrity, uh, there's less and less people being productive and it and the burden falls more and more on fewer and fewer people. And eventually it just collapses because people are like, I'm not working to support you. Screw yeah. it. Right. And then there's no one working. And then that, then you get Venezuela. That's what you get. Yeah. It's a fucking slippery slope,
0: yeah. dude. It really is like like one second, you're like, oh, yeah, you know, um, the government should be handling the production of all dairy products. And the next thing that you know, you're lined up around the fucking block for five hours waiting for a half gallon of milk. Yeah,
3: yeah. Or it's going to wipe your ass. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, yeah. Worth so so
3: you, you touched something on earlier. Um, we were talking about the Federal Reserve and everything and BlackRock. Um, obviously, Aladdin. Do you, do you know what Aladdin is for BlackRock? no
1: which i probably should
3: aladdin is BlackRock's ai system okay it's existed for about 20 years and who do you think decided to put all the money in 2008 and 2009 where it went uh aladdin i'll just take a wild guess yeah (laughs) yeah and then who do you think where all the money should have gone we had bailouts for the pandemic uh, let me guess again.
1: Aladdin. Yes. Oh, yes. I'm two for two. I'm doing this right. This is good. See,
2: 100%. You knew you just had to follow your gut.
1: <laughs> yeah. So but really? So you mean, you mean to tell me the bankers are throwing out the bankers? I'm shocked. I tell you. Well, shocked. it's,
3: it's, it's, it's much bigger than that. So I, <laughs> I don't think taking down the federal reserve is enough. I think you have to stop BlackRock to a certain extent. Um, well, not a certain extent, but a big extent. So, with what you know, with me just saying that, and what you know before, how do you think
1: you can stop BlackRock's influence into politics? You know that I wish there was a easy silver bullet for that, right? We have, um, you know, this is one of the things that I've been kind of running around with the Citizens United thing, where we have the super PACs and we have, you know, all this dark money that's kind of come in. I'm I'm sure Aladdin probably had a hand in that too. Um, you know, uh, you know the thing. It's kind of like crazy. So running for president, I can I can raise thirty three hundred dollars from each of you. Okay, and that's that's the maximum amount the government allows for each of you to give me. Okay, Um, but if you guys, let's say we're each billionaires, you could still only give me thirty three hundred bucks. Like even if we were like best friends, you could only give me thirty three hundred bucks. But if BlackRock wants to fund, um, you know, some friend of theirs or whatever and put three billion dollars into it and then spend that money making me president of the United States, they can totally do that but you are limited as a citizen to 3300 bucks and mm-hmm. and and i think that that's just crazy to me right like that that's insane and it also like that's one of these kind of rigged systems where it really benefits the duopoly because they have the deep pockets whereas like we don't necessarily have that deep fundraising ability and so we we have to rely on the little guys and so it's it's not as easy to fund this stuff. So, you know, I, I I'm going to think about the BlackRock thing now that you've put it in my brain, but I don't have a like immediate answer of like, I would just like do this because, um, you know, the reason Citizen United is kind of a thing is because of free speech, because they yep. counted money as speech. Right. But What's weird is they limit your speech as an individual to thirty three hundred dollars and they don't limit Blackrock speech right like what's up with that so I you know you know that that strikes me so I think um, I'd love to get money completely out of politics um but that is a that is a really challenging thing because of the Constitution and because of the, the because of the First Amendment. Um, yeah. You know, it's yeah. it's it's. it's uh, I I don't know. I'd really have to think about it. I'm sure there's a way to like reduce the the power of money in. And I think part of that is term limits. Part of reducing the power of money in in Congress is if you have people that aren't in there for forty years, then they're not going to be as corrupt. If they're if they're only in there for four or eight years, it's going to be less likely that they're corrupt. I mean, of course, they can still be corrupt, but uh, you know, I often say that um it's not corporations that are running the system it's unprincipled politicians if politicians had principles and they didn't vote for all the you know tax loopholes and all the broing out of the corporations then the corporations wouldn't have this stuff right but the but the congress is corrupt so how do you get a less corrupt congress well i think at a minimum limiting the amount of time that they're in there is is probably a good thing
0: yeah you gotta cycle them in cycle them out um
1: yeah work for get a
0: company work for a company that had a really good relation between itself and the workers it was just like one leader for like maybe 20 30 people and uh as you can imagine that's pretty crazy because uh you know if you know anything about the span of control um like classroom sizes for example then the smaller the better yep. so they rotated them and they kept it fresh um and that kept uh, bias at bay It was a good control for corruption. Um, If you're not familiar with corruption, corruption is something that happens at every organizational level, in every organization everywhere. You cannot escape it. When you have lots of people like that working in the structure, it's going to happen. The best you can do is mitigate it. Swap them in and out. Um, Yeah, turn limits. You can't have any of these fucking dinosaurs running around uh, shaking the earth with their bullshit anymore. It's really getting out of hand.
1: I think, uh, you know, uh, just uh, real quick, uh, Justin Mosh, who was a Republican and switched to a libertarian for for a hot minute. You know, if you if you listen to him talk about his experience in Congress, he went in there thinking he was going to like do crazy stuff like he was going to put forth all these bills and he was going to change, get all this liberty done and he was going to change all these things. And then he got there and he realized the system was rigged and and seven or eight people in Congress run the whole show. And they don't even allow you to bring the bills that you want to bring to the table. Right. And so um, I think that that is, you know, that that's where you, when you have term limits and you get these people out of there, then they don't have as much power to tell everybody else, like, you have to step in line or we're going to like beat you down with our political prowess. Right. And so I think that that's good. And I get that because uh, I went to Philadelphia at, at Independence Hall and the woman was showing where the original Congress was. And she said, this is where the original Congress met. They came here for three months. They went home to their regular jobs and this was a service position. And I was like, holy crap, that's what we need in America again. We need the uh, politicians to be service positions. Yep,
3: 100%. And I, I let in that BlackRock question for a reason too, cause kind of talk about world stage. Okay right so if we talk about Blackrock holdings um obviously monetary supply globally is about two trillion dollars like okay. just actual money if we talk about monetary assets it's about 80 trillion dollars Blackrock and its holdings with Vanguard and everybody else controls about 42 trillion dollars of that
1: okay so I mean how- a lot of that a lot of that's like Pensions and and stuff like that, right? Like uh, Calpers is like Cal- California uh, pension fund is is a huge, like trillion dollar thing, right? That's that's but a they, piece they, of it. Yeah, they control it, right? It's it's that's not a- their money. It's they're con- but they're managing other people's money, is what you're that's saying. That's a piece of it, yeah. So it's also
3: buildings and just monetary asset supplies True. right across the world, but it's over fifty percent of what they control. Yeah. So, with well, that thank, being thank said, you,
1: Federal Reserve. <laughs> yeah.
3: With that being said, obviously that has a a lean on how government policy extends to other nations yeah. and other nations that are in distress. So let's talk about yes. Ukraine and yep. Jerusalem uh, and Israel and Palestine and all that kind of stuff. If BlackRock has that kind of monetary control on everybody's supply whether it's real money or fake money how do you how do you plan on really stepping up to that and saying no and putting your just foot down and saying fuck you no
1: well i mean the first thing that came to mind when you were kind of saying this was that we need an alternative currency system that like gets around these guys right that like that basically the people can opt into to like stick okay. the middle finger at these guys and and i think there's something crypto something or other maybe i maybe you guys have heard of that i think um blockchain technology hmm you know i think uh, i'm a huge fan of of crypto and blockchain and have been you know kind of in the in that ecosphere since around 2017 um and I, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of DeFi. I think that everybody should be able to have uh, access to cryptocurrency, access to different types of uh, legal tender. Uh, and so one of the policies that we have is that we want to allow Bitcoin to be legal tender. It's not um, it's it's voluntary legal tender. So it's not like forced on people, but that it mm-hmm. but that it does have the ability. And that when and what that does is when you transact in Bitcoin or you transfer Bitcoin to dollars or dollars to Bitcoin, there's no tax consequence at all uh, because it's a currency and it's not a uh, asset. So that's, I think that that's one way that we could get around this system is to just like create a new system that doesn't include them or, you know, I mean, but of course they've co-opted it, right? With the uh, with all the ETFs that are running around now and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, the the machine is very good at absorbing everything. And co-opting it into their system, and and um, and then basically corrupting it, right? I, I think
0: yeah,
3: that's pretty clear. Yeah, moral engines, right? Um, I don't think so, we could. Uh,
0: I don't think we could get too carried away here before we uh, start talking about cannabis, at least a little bit. Okay. So I wore I wore okay, my shirt to remind myself oh, to ask questions about, <laughs> right, about right. cannabis.
1: Sure, we're ready. Um,
0: so we've we've seen we've seen the rollout of cannabis over the past couple of decades here in the medical and the recreational markets. Um, we've seen for better and we've seen for worse. Um, we've all vacationed, you know, we've all done the tour de gras, right? We've done it all. And, uh, some, some of it's really good, you know, and, um, other places like, uh, Fucking Ohio, for example, selling it in tents and taxing the fuck out of it. Um, finally, legalizing it recreationally and still can't even get it ready for sale. Um, so yeah. definitely some nightmares out there. What What is really the, the right way to do this? Because um, I've seen and I've gotten this idea from popular culture. Um, there's a series called Trailer Park Boys and uh one of the episodes they're faced with the legalization of cannabis and ricky one of the main characters is a major proponent for growing and selling weed and he sells he grows and sells a shit ton of it um and when he finds out that they're going to legalize it he gets pissed because it's cutting into his market he's the little guy right so now in my head i'm thinking of like me for example what if but if I want to have a small plot of land to farm some cannabis for various uses, it could be for recreational for for all I know. Uh but I'm competing with the people that are operating the dispensary down the street, and they're they've got like million-dollar contracts, you know, and fucking like crazy shit going on that I just have a really hard time keeping up with at the local farmers market because Nobody wants to fucking smoke my fucking shit homegrown weed anymore when there's some really fucking badass, perfect, perfectly dialed-in hydroponic weed available at the dispensary down the street for like $60 an eighth.
3: <laughs> it sounds yeah. like a South Park episode.
0: I know, it really does. Like Tegrity Farms or something.
1: Integrity Got some fucking Tegrity in this shit. <laughs> so, What's the plan? So, okay, well, I should... I remember I said I grew up on uh, with an outhouse and no electricity. Uh, That was also a pot farm. So I literally grew up on a pot farm. Uh, My we we had an A-frame house after 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 um, we got out of the the goat barn which it was like the little shack that we built before we built the regular house. And so I grew up in this goat barn basically, and that's the way we put the goat. So I call always called it the goat barn house. But uh, when I was a kid, probably seven or eight years old, we had a, like an A-frame house and it had just one big beam across the top of the A-frame. And that was all um, tacked up with plants hanging down. I remember laying in my bed and seeing <laughs> you know, hundreds of plants up, You know, so I was probably getting like contact high or whatever. And um, so, you know, that, um, You know, my mom got arrested for growing marijuana in California. The SWAT team came in, the helicopters, the sheriff's departments. And, you know, she she, you know, had to do her thing um, to to make restitution to the state. Right. And, uh, you know, so I always have been for your ability to smoke whatever you want, do whatever you want with your body. It's your choice. It's like as long as you're not harming other people, have at it. Right. Like that's that's my take on it. Um, As far as policy goes. I want to just completely end the federal war on drugs altogether, not just marijuana, but everything, because it's failure. It's total failure. We basically have created cartels and we've created a monopoly for the cartels. And then those cartels are harming people south of the border. And those people are fleeing the south of the border to America. So America basically created the problem that is the, the border problem with their handling of the uh, cartels, right? And we can see this super easy because we are, have another example of it. It's called Prohibition. In the 30s, they stopped allowing you to buy alcohol. And what happened? We got Al Capone. We got organized crime. It just—it's so basic. It's not—you don't even have to like. It's not even a stretch of the imagination. Don't forget yeah. the Tommy Gun. Don't forget the, yeah. the Tommy Gun. We got right? the Tommy. Gun. A, oh.
0: That's a—that's a perfect segue yeah, well, into what I wanted to talk about next.
3: It's actually <laughs> funny because they used all of that to create the first initial gun regulation. Mm-hmm. Imagine that. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: So Never yeah. Whenever. whenever you... go to waste.
3: Did any of you know the history on this? I
1: don't know the history on the Tommy Gun now.
3: No, I was saying like Al Capone, Tommy gun era, like why they used Al Capone to create gun regulation.
1: Probably because they were having a hard time sticking it to him. I thought they got him on IRS tax evasion, though, eventually. I think that's what they they really stuck him with. Right. Uh, They they used it for they used it for
3: so much more. Um, They they basically used what they were doing, which is a very small amount of what was happening on why automatic weapons probably should be a good thing. Uh, why suppressors probably shouldn't be a good thing and that, that's when the conversation started about suppressors back mm, then. Interesting. Um and they they really tried banning guns based on <laughs> right, his right after ban and right what he after did.
1: right after failing to ban alcohol, they tried to ban guns. Awesome. Good yeah, job, guys. Yeah. No government it's exactly <laughs> what they did.
3: No, it's exactly what they did. They're like, hey, we fucked up on this. Let's go fuck up on something else and make it horrible as well. <laughs> um it, it's just look up the history when you get a chance I, it's it's too much to talk about right now yeah I will. At uh, it, it, it would take another hour and a half to really fill you in but it, it's really funny how the way things fall in history and it was alcohol okay this happens and then guns but nothing can stop anybody right
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, if Can you I, want, if people want to do it, I mean, you saw in Japan, the guy took out the uh, the um, president of Japan. It's not the it's not the president, but uh, the pr- prime minister of Japan. He made a, a modified shotgun, right? Like if, uh, if people, yeah, if people want a rail gun, if people want to take people out, they will. I mean, it's, so you're not going to stop them. Oh, was it a rail gun or was it electrified uh, charge? I can't. remember. I thought it was uh, basically a shotgun. He used two pieces of uh, pipe, um, and he had like a little trigger on it, and he 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 sh- he shot the pipe with a with a basically yeah, a shotgun. I, I, I think you're right, but it, it was
3: electrified charge that he used for it, okay. which was yeah. pretty fucking cool. If you're a gunsmith and and the guns, if you ask me, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> i'm, I'm um, sure you've had many boating accidents in your life oh no 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 i keep them all <laughs> um but my, my point being it doesn't matter what you ban right we can ban alcohol we're gonna yeah. make alcohol ourselves you can ban <laughs> guns we're gonna make guns ourselves yeah you can ban anything you want if we can Telling make people it, is illegal yeah. yeah we're gonna make it like i i don't have any modified firearms my
0: yeah so like so like, we were, saying, like,
2: like,
1: like, like we were saying <laughs> so so what you're telling me is i just got added to three more lists Thanks.
2: <laughs> when, you, when you agreed when you agreed to step foot on the show it was yes. a minimum of 2 already oh, okay. so uh, I apologize. Hey.
0: No not even when he was when he was the little guy running we for office kidding, that's when they were like guys, guys we're totally kidding we're
3: yeah we're funny <laughs> haha <laughs> 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 my my dude the second that you became a libertarian president
1: candidate yes yes You're on lists, long right? before that i yes i'm on many lists <laughs> so we're on mm-hmm. all the lists together hopefully
3: our names are touching oh yeah that'd, that'd be good <laughs> it's all right hugs all the way around 100 oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah
2: the best people are on the lists we all know that all yeah, of all right. our
3: buddies so, so so lars i i do have another question for you and this is my most important question okay. for you of the evening um how much wood
1: could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood yeah that's a good one i you know it. Re, this reminds me of um would i would i napalm the everglades uh <laughs> i was i was on to find the uh the congruence there yeah well you know they asked <laughs> They said that the government had brought in – that there was all these, like, uh, giant rats or something like that. So they brought in all these pythons to kill the rats. And then the pythons, turns out that they eat everything, including all the alligators and, like, anything living in the area. So that now they have – uh, hunting for the pythons, and you get paid per pound of python that you bring in. So this was all yeah. government sponsored, right? Of course, and so I was asked, "Would I, as president, authorize napalming the entire Everglades to get rid of the uh, the evil, uh, you know, python snakes?" Right? So I don't, I don't know. I just it just reminded me of that. I, I think the you want to lose the-, the woodchucks instead. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes, that's exactly what I, where I was going with that is that instead of napalming, we we do woodchucks cuz they're really good at eating snakes apparently. Yeah. They are. Actually the that's answer you. to that is the answer to that question
3: is actually okay. 420.
1: 4, 4, 420. 420 69, bro. 42069. Nice. 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 <laughs> so i I race cars um i race uh, a modern porsche and some old vintage shit and so i was also born in 1969 so of course 69 is the best year ever and so all my race cars have 69 on them and everybody is always heckling me they're like you put that there on purpose (laughs) you're funny and i'm like no bro that's my that's my birth year but anyway uh so what is your favorite porsche uh my favorite porsche i uh boy Maybe 935 probably would be my favorite Porsche. Uh, you know, 959 is pretty good too, but. Oh, there. that's okay. Now, now we're on
3: the same level. Right, so right. 959, by far in the way, the best car they've ever made.
1: So the 935 is their racing version. Uh, it was the, like, eighties up to like the mid to late eighties racing version and they're they're just badass. they you look up nine thirty five and you'll be like, holy crap. <laughs> oh I know what it is, trust me. Yeah. But nine five nine I you know I live um in Santa Cruz, California and in in uh maybe ten miles from here is a guy named Kanepa. And he's the guy that imported all the 959s and was able to make them smog legal, blah, blah, blah. So, literally, I saw one last week. Like, I see them, you know, pretty much on the regular because there's always one driving around town somewhere. So, that's, uh, they're cool cars. Dude, uh, it's so
3: sad that Group B was taken down and stopped when they made that. Like, right after they made it. Yeah. That was the coolest. Fucking car at the time, probably one of the coolest cars ever built. Honestly, the fact that you could buy a commercial production car that had height adjusting suspension and everything else, and it was just le- a legit like I could just put new tires on this and I can go fucking rally.
1: We just lost Rachel, by the
3: way.
2: I am <laughs> still here. <laughs> Actually, my <laughs> husband. Can be some- my husband's a diesel mechanic, oh, okay. and I I spent a few years building a couple of my own vehicles. So no, actually, I'm right there with you. But <laughs> I'm more into imports. Uh, JDM is more where I play: Toyotas, okay. Hondas, that kind of stuff. So, all
3: right, okay. Yeah. The KM and the V engine are always so good.
0: Yeah, Chris. Chris did have a question from earlier. He uh, he wanted to know. Who is who's the better looking host? Bootleg from Not A Real Podcast or Alan Limp Sausage?
1: <laughs> oh, man. That's that's rough. It's been a dick. Oh man, yeah, that's <laughs> rough. rough. It, I you know, I love my ANCAP, so I'm just gonna just be ANCAP lover instead of I'll oh, that... love both of them. oh, oh, oh shit. Oh, I don't know. All right, mm-hmm. well, you know, maybe you guys are gonna have to have like a flex off or something like that. <laughs> and cap and cap flex off. And maybe <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, okay, let me ask hard. you this question. Does Chris have a beard? Does does he have a beard? I yeah, I think. He, yeah, he doesn't he, he? No, he's he, he thinks he has a beard. Oh, yeah. all right, all right. Oh, wow! Okay. All right, wow. This is getting this is getting spicy in here. No, I'm just doing shit.
3: he's a he's a homie, Chris. I love you, dude. Um, but my beard's
1: better. <laughs> it's gonna be a beard off pretty soon. Hey, there was a guy in North Carolina, and he had the most glorious mustache I've ever seen in my life. It was one of those like things that just went and like, I was a little, I was a little jealous of that mustache. I w- I'm not a great mustache grower, but yeah. Well, Lars, maybe you
3: can get our uh, catalog or calendar that we're trying to do.
1: Okay. We're going to do like feet pics. Okay. <laughs> so <it's gonna> be <laughs> foot, <laughs> just feet Foot fetish. I'm into it. Is it <laughs> ankle cap, cap foot fetish? Is that what we're going for here? We're, we're just going to raise money for charity and it's going to be feet pictures
3: and... Wow like if you All want right. to get in man hey if it's we'll, for
1: charity we'll, it's i'm, I'm it'll, down
3: it'll be yeah. your feet and we'll have your your little uh your picture up top saying who it is
1: okay is uh, it, if it's for the children i'm down well it might that, be we are we're so let... close i think we have like what we Veterans, have people old now? people i'm i'm down for helping people i have a
2: list i have a list forming i'm right there we're ready to go we have enough to fill almost an entire calendar for an individual person or we have mm-hmm. enough now to do a couple double ups. But I think if we keep, we should have enough for a person per month pretty soon, maybe even be able to do their birthday month. That would be fun.
1: For some oh, reason, oh, I oh. just got an idea in my head that um, we could get somebody that could grow foot hair longer than a beard. <laughs> <laughs> and like, <laughs> <laughs> For, no shame, like, November.
2: Like, for, for, for some like reason...
3: I feel like somebody in Thailand might have that on
1: lock probably like braid and stuff, right? Like full braids and like ninja style. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure why, but I feel like Thailand probably have that.
2: No shave November. That's the November one. We put that on the front of that one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. All
3: right. So we got, we got Rob's feet. We got Rachel's feet. We got my feet. We got Lars' feet. We got Chris and Susie's feet. Who else?
2: Caleb, Caleb Salvatore from That's Caleb, Based. He Caleb said that down. he would.
3: Yes, that's seven. All so right. We need five more. Yeah. Anybody listening? <laughs> anybody would take with anybody?
1: <laughs> we want anybody.
3: It.
0: I want
1: your. We're feet. gonna make you famous, to me. We're gonna make yes. you famous. It's gnarly, All- bro.
2: All I ask is you send the oh, proof. Oh, Ben
3: Weird,
1: We'll get Ben Weird. Yeah, Ben Weir.
2: That's
3: yeah. a good one. Oh, okay, yeah. Ben, you're nominated in your yeah. end, buddy. Yeah. Um, All right. So we got eight. We might be able to like recycle four if we have to. So,
1: so what's up right now? There's all these and caps that I've been doing these podcasts with, and uh, I'm I'm kind of feeling like the pool to and cap land. So, you know, like I don't know. I'm growing down with you guys pretty good, and.
0: Well, I mean, so I, I started in the movement as an ANCAP. cap. I now consider myself a nonpartisan, um, just for the fact that sometimes things just don't always work out, and you need another know system to step in and help out. Uh, so, not exactly, you know, mutualism, just nonpartisan, right? Just not a joiner. Um, <coughs> yeah. there are a lot of pros to AND cap. Um, I think uh, one of the most common misconceptions is that the corporation is going to take over, but um, uh, got to cut them some slack and look at their ideology a little bit closer because there are things that prevent that from happening and they are some really cool down-to-earth people i will say that oh
1: shit toad's in from tower game and you know i got to see his feet at the at the uh one of the debates that i did a few weeks ago because he took his his shoes off on stage (laughs) there and so i think (laughs) he could definitely be in the he could be in the calendar for sure yeah oh he's got good feet yeah, yeah, put them in. Yeah, yeah. I, I was, okay. I, you know, I was a little bit jealous that like he got to do that because I really wanted to take my shoes off too, but I didn't think it would look super professional and presidential-y kind of stuff. So I kept my shoes on. But well, I'm not gonna lie to you, man. I got some sexy ass feet. <laughs> All right. All right. I don't. I don't think I've ever judged my feet, but I, I'm gonna. Maybe I'll have to take a look at them. Never you judge your feet. No. I, oh, dude. No. So my. <laughs> You, you got to get on like
3: only feet or
1: only feet.
3: <laughs> all, right, all right. Sweet. Footfinder.com.
1: Footfinder.com. You, you guys going
0: right? to get us fucking kicked off of Facebook.
1: <laughs> oh, man. It's so good. i to put a warning on this show. Uh, so for he, adults you know, only. On kind of a serious note, um, Chris, Ro- you know who Chris Roofer is? He's a guy in California and he, um, he talked to me at freedom fest and he, and he he's really a sharp guy and he was pitching me like this story and I got done with the story and I was like, I think I think that guy just pitched me something but I'm not exactly sure that he pitched me something. And, and then like later, I kept thinking about it and I'm like, I think he pitched me Anarchy but in a way I've never heard it before. And then I went to another uh, like big event um, Atlas Forum in New York and he was a main speaker there and I listened to his like longer pitch and I'm like, yeah, he totally pitched me anarchy, and and then I I was talking to him later, and I'm like, well, Chris, you've got me like ninety five percent of the way there, and he's like, what? He's like, after two hours of listening to me talk, you're you still have five percent left. He's all, we gotta, yeah, I don't know, it might be hopeless for you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so what what's holding you off in that five percent? Uh, I just I'm, I'm a little bit. I feel like we need some courts some way to adjudicate between people when they have issues other than shooting guns at each other i mean like like, i feel like there's just got to be a little bit of uh structure but as like super minimal like and you know and the problem with structure is it begets more structure right like it it, that's what bureaucracy does is it just it's like built to grow so it's like how do you keep it really small and limited but i feel like a little bit of courts, a little bit of military to defend ourselves if if things go really bad. Um, and, you know, that's pretty much it. The rest of it could be mostly voluntary. So go down to community level. on commun- Yeah, on community level, I mean, I think that no matter what, if you had a community and you get to a certain size, you're going to rely on one person to kind of... Uh, put, put down the law, so to speak. And it's usually going to be the guy that's like really good at shooting and really good at, um, maybe, uh, you know, diffusing situations or something like that. But there's always going to be somebody that the rest of the people are going to rely on. And so that's basically a cop. I mean, in the end because what's going to happen oh. is that per- because that person is going to become corrupted if they become that person for a long time it's highly likely that they become corrupted and especially if they start getting more people underneath them and, and that sort of thing so you know it's it's a it's i am just not 100 percent convinced that we can if, if i if everybody was a good actor and there was no bad actors in the world then i think anarchy totally works but i think there's plenty of people that will take advantage of everybody else through force so you don't believe in a volunteeristic society. I mean, I do, but I don't believe that there aren't people that will take advantage of that. That that is that there are people who will use violence and force um, without having a check on their violence and force. Okay, I can understand that,
3: but on low level scale, yeah. Say, Rachel, what is it? One hundred fifty people.
2: Yes. Well. Yes, it depends on the state. Some have a little bit different, but 150 is an average based on majority of the states.
3: So 150 people is what we need to create a town, right? Okay. Our own little society Sure. per se. Yeah. So if you have 150 people that voluntarily get together and create their own little oasis per se mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. yeah what do you think of that
1: so i think that and i'm a big fan of this is that i believe that when you have really small groups of people it becomes a lot easier to like regulate each other because you all know each other and you all have personal interactions with each other it, you're not anonymous right but when you become anonymous is when shit starts going south real quick right when and, and i i give you this example um I don't know if you've ever had this, but like you're in your car, you're driving, somebody cuts you off, you get pissed off. Maybe you treat them crappy, or you like, you like, you know, you get up on behind them to show them that you're pissed off that they did something bad to you or whatever. And then you both pull up at the grocery store and you realize it's your best buddy. Right. And and because you didn't know that that was the person, you behaved the way that you did. But if you knew that was your best buddy in the car, you would have just laughed it off and like and gone, you know, gone your different way kind of a thing. And so I think that as society gets bigger and bigger, that's where these problems sort of come in. Um, and that's why we didn't have like I think mass shootings is a is a is a factor of this. Right. Is that this it's kind of anonymous and it's this. um Public suicide, kind of a thing, and that we didn't have that when we had smaller communities. I mean, that's that's sort of what I think.
3: Well, is it smaller communities or is it gun free zones?
1: Uh, I mean, it, I'm sure that has a part in it too. And I mean, for me, mass shootings is a lot about mental health and about psychotropic drugs and antidepressants and all that kind of stuff. But what I'm just saying is that. We didn't have that as much when we had smaller societies. Like you're not, well, you're not typically going Kal- to. Kalban go happened uh, when we had
3: a very large community, right? Yeah. Or yeah. Everything. That's where. What I, yeah. What I'm out. saying is it wouldn't do, happen. Do if you have, do you have any example of a, a shooting that could have happened without being a large community no I think you I, mean, I, I so I, I understand yeah. what you're saying on this. Yeah, you're
1: missing you're missing you you're getting my thing exactly backwards what I'm saying is if you have a really small community you're less likely to have shootings if you have a really large community you're more likely to have shootings because you're anonymous because you don't know the people that you're shooting because you're not involved with the people right um that that's just I, you know, and that's obviously not a hundred percent because you have situations where people get pissed off and they go shoot up their employer, which they know all the people in the, in the in the place or whatever like that, right? But um, you know, I am a. I, I guess all I can say is that for me, for gun laws, there's only one gun law that needs to be in effect at the federal level, and that is the Second Amendment. There should be no other federal gun laws at all than the Second Amendment. And if you want to own a bazooka, that's fine with me, right? Uh, so I'm, I'm not saying that shootings are because we have this big society i'm just saying i feel like they happen more because we live in a very large society like when we had one tenth the amount of people we didn't have this problem right where did the problem come from so you're
3: saying the f-24 i parked my
1: backyard i'm good I don't care. I, mean, I don't. Here's, here's the thing somebody asked me, like, they like like, Lars, would you allow, uh, would you, would you care if your friends had bazookas? And I like literally thought about it and I'm like, no, because none of my friends would use a bazooka on anyone. Like, I don't care. Like, what? Right. It's not, it's not an issue. So, I mean, I don't have a problem with that personally. Well, 100%. Like, and a lot of people squirm
3: between this line, right? Where our military is okay to have these things as defenses. Sure. But why is it not okay for us to have these things defenses? Yeah.
1: I mean, I don't have a problem with it at all. I mean, honestly, I think most people won't have those things because it's not something that they're that interested in, but if you want to have it, I don't see any problem with it.
3: Well, also too, you know, our military has these as defenses to keep people from coming after us. Right. So if we have these as defenses that we own, sure. What's to stop the government from coming after us?
1: If you have defense I mean, the government can come after you whether you have those things or not.
3: Well, you see the side i right? Like if I have a aircraft carrier sitting in my fucking backyard, hey. <laughs> you're rich.
1: <laughs> but they're not gonna fucking try to attack me. Uh, yeah. I mean, as long as you got people to man it all, right.
3: You're you're kind of missing the point here, man. Okay. Um, so if, if I have rocket launchers and this and that in my backyard, that I have at my availability, right. Our government uses the same kind of standpoint, the same kind of mindset on going after and surrounding countries and the Navy and the waters. Right okay and hey don't fuck with us because we have this against you sure sure. and if you do
1: this we're gonna do that yeah so you're saying you're saying if you're a citizen and you own those things then the government's gonna come after you because you own those things because they feel threatened by you or what no i'm saying they're not going to
2: they'll be less likely okay yeah they'll be less likely to come at you if you they feel we are on a more even playing ground
1: like
0: uh like in nature an animal that has uh defensives that displays but uh yeah, the defense can I mean, actually fuck you up. Fuck you know, like yeah, yeah. around and
1: find out situation. Sure, 100%. And I think I don't have any problem with anybody owning anything. I mean, I think, um, you know, people aren't going to have nukes because they don't have access to them, and they don't have the access to the money to have them. But, you know, I guess if you really wanted one, you could have one. You, you might die of radiation, though, if you didn't know how to take care of it.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's a pretty scary thing. Yeah. Um, We've seen some pretty fucking horrific accidents. All it takes is a, like a couple seconds, not even of exposure. And it's like, well, that's it. What's this famous quote by that guy? He was using some kind of like utensil or something, a pen to prop open the dome. Oh, shit. Uh, and uh, he said, well, that does it. He like, you know, just it slipped. <laughs> that was enough for it to blast him. So yeah, but we've come a long way. You know, there's really no reason to fear that sort of energy anymore. So. That, uh, I think that brings me to the, what I wanted to close out with here. Uh, it was, I, I, I wanted to talk about the border again. We've done it for the past like three episodes. Okay. Um, uh, but let's talk about energy a little bit here, uh, specifically like uh, deregulating. Some States already do it. Um, I, I think Illinois, uh, Ohio definitely deregulates. So uh, there are some pros and some cons to it. Uh, one is that the, uh, infrastructure is not totally standardized across the area Um, so you go from one city to the next depending on how much money everybody's got that's the 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 quality that you're going to get and it turns out pretty good Um, even in low-income areas they have power Um, they have power that's consistent and reliable Um, how would we roll this out across the nation as far as deregulating and getting things owned by private suppliers
1: yeah I, you know california did this exact exact thing they deregulated the energy market and um it really didn't do shit. I mean, they, they, it just turned them into a bunch of like m- small companies doing the same thing and then it all ended up going through the same uh pg e the same big companies basically that the, that the government granted a monopoly to um partly because um, of transmission lines, right? Because the transmission lines, if you, um, they can't really have like 50 companies worth of transmission lines over people's heads, right? Like like if we had 50 different power companies all doing the same thing, providing the same thing, like our skies would be completely filled with power lines essentially. And mm-hmm. so, so that's why there is like this kind of monopoly on power lines and, Um, you know, I have a huge piece of my policy, which is to basically abolish the NRC um, and allow for nuclear um, power plants to be built across the country. I'm trying to push for an energy race to vastly reduce the cost of energy for all Americans, because I think that not only is it a national security issue, but it also will vastly increase our GDP and can help get us out of the debt problem that that we're having right now, right? So I'm I'm actually pushing an, an, an energy race. Um, and ideally, I'd like to see fusion uh, in my lifetime because that would be the same as discovering fire for man. It would be a- unbelievable. Unlimited energy for free completely changes the planet. It completely changes the dynamic of foreign affairs across the planet, right? Because suddenly, all the scarcity that we have disappears into in a in a big factor it's kind of like when we you know move from being able to farm just the regular farm and then we were able to produce like 300 times the amount of food you know the population of the planet planet exploded right and that and i think that that would happen again when we had unlimited free energy um not to mention the ability to like start leaving this planet and doing that kind of stuff so i'm a huge fan of that Um, But to your actual question of, like, deregulation, I'm for deregulation. I'm for um, basically getting the infrastructure of America for the transmission, because that's actually the real problem. Like, you can build all these plants, but if you can't transmit the energy anywhere, it just really doesn't matter. So so I'm looking at ways to, like, fix that and make that more robust, basically.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah, and there's also, like, a part two to that. Like, we're also talking about adding electric vehicles to the mix, and electric everything. Um, I, uh, a couple of years ago, I did some research on the subject, and I found out that it would take a bit over... Well, back then, it was like $5.4 trillion. Now, after the market has been fucking mega-inflated, it's probably going to be like 8 or $9 trillion um, to convert the grid to hold energy instead of just transmitting it. Yeah. So like we're talking, it's just it's a it, it massive it is, project.
1: It is mind boggling. And you know, it's interesting because in California I think is a good example of where these problems are kind of going of come to home to roost. It shows what's kind of coming down the pipe. And that is, is California, you know, it's like you have, we have to have all electric vehicles. Uh, you're not allowed to have a gas stove. You're not allowed to have a gas furnace. You're, it's, it's burning the planet. It's causing climate change. So everything has to be converted to electricity. Um, you know, and, and that's the thing. So everybody's been converting all this stuff. And the more they convert, the more demand on the energy system that there is, what happens to the prices of stuff when you create more demand? They go Sky up. Right? They go up. So, what are all my friends bitching about right now? They're like, my electricity prices doubled this winter. They doubled. I like, some people are like, I used to pay $300 a month in electricity. And now I'm paying $600 a month in electricity. They're like, how are we going to do this? When is it going to go down? And I'm like, it's not. It's going to keep going up. Because this is a monopoly that the government handed to them. And then they're dictating that you have to switch everything to electricity. And then they're jacking the prices up. And they're like, well, you know, there's a lot of demand. It's like, well, you created it, you dumbasses. (laughs) (laughs) Like, so it's just it's. And so I think that's going to be across the board for all America. and We got to be. Really careful about it, but I think that's why we need this energy race that I'm proposing is that we need to vastly increase the amount of energy that's available, so we drop the costs and so that it's available to everybody. But we also have to fix the transmission stuff. Uh, and I think, like I said, it is a national security issue. If we are energy independent, we can pr- defend ourselves much better, and we don't have to rely on the Middle East for oil anymore. Right, which is right. huge. Right, that's so. Huge.
3: So saying that is great. But how in detail would you do that?
1: So in in the plan that we have essentially is we're going to roll back all the military bases around the world, right? (laughs) We're going to be withdrawing ourselves from these military bases. And that is going to give a one-time savings of money. And we're going to take that money and we're going to put it into a one-time fix for our energy grid and for our power stuff. And then that will be done with it. So it's I you know, I hate anything that spends money from government. I hate creating new, but this is the one thing where we said there will be more benefit from it than um than you know than the loss of the money. And and so we feel like because we're reduced vastly reducing the military, we'll have a little bit of extra money there to do it. And go ahead. No, just gonna say, it, but in detail. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously we,
3: that gets you the money for it, but yeah. and how in detail would you do it?
1: So we do have it on our policy page exactly what we're going to do. But what one of the things that we're looking at is that we're looking at replacing coal powered plants with nuclear power plants, small SMR plants, um, thorium nuclear reactors. Uh, you know, we've we've kind of gone quite okay. deep into this. Um, TJ, who is on my team and on my policy team, built the uh, the market for the California energy market. Like he literally built it. So he knows the stuff inside and out and he was on the policy team to like put these pieces together. And we had several experts come in and talk about, uh, you know, Different things that we could do to kind of deregulate stuff and get things going again. There's like there's some like nine thousand shovel ready projects that are being held up right now through regulation, and we can uh, we can get rid of that stuff and get those things going just by you know swiping a pen essentially, right? And so uh, I'm for doing that uh, because I think you know this is what we need to do to deliver regular people lowering their energy costs. Everything that you have that we're looking at right now has energy embedded in it. You know, our TV screens, these microphones, your hat that you're wearing, everything has energy embedded in it. Imagine if we could drop the cost of energy in half, what that would do to America's economy. It would like massively pump the GDP. And if we had this crazy cheap energy, other countries would be like, I want to put my factory in America because that's where the cheapest energy is. I wanna put my Bitcoin miners in America because that's where the cheapest energy is, right? So I want to like supercharge our economy, massively grow our GDP. And with that growth of GDP, even if you're taxing the same, which I wanna abolish as much taxes as I can, but even if you're taxing the same percent, you're getting a lot more money to which you can start pumping down the debt and start getting rid of the debt and, and getting a balanced debt.
3: That's what I was looking for, thank you. Yeah. It's a, it's a little man.
1: nerdy and a little complicated, but I mean... Oh, you know. No,
3: no, it needs to be said. It needs to be yeah. said. Like, nuclear regulation needs to be just drop the fuck out of here. Like, uh, France... Uh, it, it's,
1: it's, yeah. No, France, go ahead. No, France is the probably the best as far as it comes to nuclear power. Um, they ha- they are able to build a plant in four to eight years. It, it took 40 years for the last American plant to be built. Mm-hmm. We like, it's ridiculous. And the NRC has no incentive to approve plants because if something bad happens, then it's on their shoulders, right? Mm-hmm. So they don't ever wanna approve a plant. So we're not moving forward. And China, Russia, France, other countries are going at it and they're gonna get that energy and they're gonna get it at the cheap. And guess where our corporations are gonna go and our jobs and our factories are gonna to go to the place that has the cheapest energy. And that's why I wanna do this energy race. Kind of like the space race, where we all got together as an America, and we said, "This is a thing that we're going to do. We're going to kick ass. We're going to make America's, you know, economic engine superpowered, right?" And and I think that that's something we can all get behind. And it doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or a Republican or an independent. We all want America to prosper, and we all want our citizens to have better standard of living instead of a less standard of living.
0: Yep. That is absolutely what it is all about, bringing the competitiveness back to the market. Um, that is all around what a libertarian wants to do. Um, we gave a pretty good picture of that today. We talked about competitiveness in currency, so ending the Federal Reserve. We talked about competitiveness in the service industry, like, for example, cannabis. Like, how's the little guy going to get ahead? And uh, we talked about lots of other things that uh, all tied together quite nicely and give a very good image of what a libertarian candidate can bring to the table in a proper election that we hope to see coming up here. So, Lars, um, I think, what do you guys think? We got time for one more. Um, Sure, one more. All right. All night, baby. (laughs) all right um this one this one is this one's a fatty um Uh Uh i i mentioned it earlier uh i know we didn't really get too in depth about it did so did Uh, did you
1: roll the fatty before you you yes okay yes and yes
0: it's it's um, an
2: important rule we all must be there at that point
0: (laughs) um yeah there's a lot that can go with this um we talked about it the past few episodes now uh, that it has been a hot issue uh, down south. The border issue, uh, we talked about it lightly a couple times here, like elements of it, like having a robust national defense. Um, we talked about the issue of human trafficking that comes about when we don't have a secure border. Uh, so people hear, when people hear libertarianism, one of the first things that comes to their minds is open borders, and uh, that can be a little scary. Uh, Because that's what people that are already uh, polarized by politics think that the current guy in office is contributing to this massive problem with his open border policy. But I think what people don't understand is that the libertarian concept of the open border is not quite what they think. Um, Lars, do you have a policy on that? I I do
1: have a policy, but I'm going to ask you a question. Sure. What... um... What fears do you have uh, about people coming across the border?
0: So the, probably like the main fear that I have about people coming across the border has to do with trafficking. Um, when there is chaos like there is, like um, thousands of people pouring in or people that have to be smuggled in, for example, there is the chance for, say, a child to be separated from their parents and uh, trafficked. And to who, to God knows what, or um, people are smuggled in and forced to do things for their freedom, which basically makes them slaves. That's my greatest fear.
1: What about the other two? What about what about you, Alan? Do you have a fear about the border?
3: Uh, my fear about the border is the CIA and the FBI continue to use it the way they have been. Okay. And
1: Rachel, what's your fear of the border?
2: Um, it's it's child trafficking. I okay. my I have my in laws are moving down by the border, and they want to take my boys for a week. And quite honestly, there's a part of me that is concerned having them down there. And it's not anything against them. It's I I've seen too many children get grabbed and taken. And quite honestly, having those borders open gives a lot wider swath of those kids to be taken further and further from the ability to be found and saved. And quite honestly, for me. Being a libertarian and an anarchist, that point of it right there takes my opinion and makes it very difficult to back the open borders because we have such a huge leak on that right now that we cannot play games with it any longer at all. So it's it's child trafficking specifically as far as people finding sanctuary here. I have no... I feel like that is something that we as a country should be willing to do with checks and balances in place. But right now what we have is the open ability for children to go missing, period. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think those are all really good things. I, my thing was always before the tra- before the trafficking stuff started, my, th- my issue with the border was that I didn't want to have an endless expanding welfare state um that was one of the issues and when i was first reading my list of things on libertarian that was one of the sticking points was like i don't want to endlessly paying tax dollars um to to take care of people but it turns out that that's not necessarily the statistics that that um that people coming across the border aren't necessarily a burden financially which i thought that they were once i started looking into it so i think you know we talked about prohibition of alcohol and we talked about prohibition of marijuana. And we talked about prohibition of guns. This is prohibition of people. And we've, we've all talked about how prohibition doesn't work, right? That people are going to find a way to do what they want to do, okay? But the answer to the child trafficking thing is that we have prohibition. And it's the drug war that caused the cartels that are now doing the child trafficking And who created the goddamn cartels? The government. Right. And so what I feel like is a big piece of this is ending the war on drugs is going to fix a bunch of these problems at the border that we literally created these problems. And so I feel like we have to stop the chaos at the border, because when we have chaos, right, when we have total chaos, that's when all kinds of things can be smuggled in people can do bad things because there's all you know it's hard to like keep track of what's going on right and i am for essentially immigration the same as the way that my grandparents my great-grandparents came across and were able to find uh work in america and find a way to have a better life um the government has like, I don't, I can't remember how many pages of immigration law that they have, but it, if you are, let's say, uh, and I, I use this example like, uh, um, Spike Cohen's wife is Canadian. Okay. And it took many, oh, many years. She, Go ahead. She's, she's dual citizenship. She's a Canadian and a Barbosan. Okay. And, and so, but it took a long time for her to wade her way through the immigration system. Right. And I have other friends who have, uh wives from Philippines or have you know different people that they've that they've married from different areas and the amount of time can be like 5 to 10 years right and that seems ridiculously long to me for somebody that you're married to like if i marry somebody i feel like they should be able to come and have a expedited process to become a, an american citizen so i just want to um i just want to make the system really easy right i want to basically if you want to come to america like let's let's go in the opposite direction. if I want to go to Europe, I fly there, I show them my passport and they let me in. That's it they're not like they don't there's no like anything it's just like here come on in and like go around Australia anywhere I go they just basically let me in. I've never been turned away and anywhere that I've gone as an American and said you can't come here right I'm, I'm sure if I went to North Korea that would be the, that would be the case right so, so we need go ahead. So how do you think that people get passports that easily? That people get passports that easily? I mean, yeah. pretty boy, I don't know that I've ever heard anybody being denied a passport in America unless you're maybe well, maybe if you obviously a they're not it's not in America, it's it's
3: somewhere else. They're sure, trying sure. to come into America, right? They
1: don't have paperwork because they don't they don't have money to buy paperwork, basically, right? But what I'm yeah. saying is that if you want to be a visitor to America, it should be pretty easy. Okay, if you want to work in America, you should be able to get a work visa and come work in America. And hopefully we have corporations that will sponsor you and match you with a job to get you exactly to where you need to be, because there are nine million unfilled jobs in America right now. And so we can match those people up with those jobs. Right. Um, And then if you want to be an actual immigrant, that's another visa. That's another that's another process. But we got to stop this chaos at the border. And I think that this like streamlining a bit will cause the chaos to end. And then we can get rid of this child trafficking and the human trafficking that's going on after we also abolish the drug war.
0: What he's, uh, what Larthe is saying there about how it takes that long, it, it really does. Uh, my wife is from Thailand. She's an immigrant and she went through that entire process. And there was just, it's the little things that really fucking complicate it and make it take forever. Like, um, like delays in communication, for example, um, a delay in communication would mean that uh, my wife would not be able to renew her driver's license. Um, or we would go to have her driver's license renewed and we couldn't get it for more than six months because um, because of her status. You know they just they just wouldn't do it. Um, and it's, it's very frustrating. It takes a long time and we need to it, streamla- streamline it like he said. So.
2: I agree right, that so. it is very convoluted and it's difficult to do. I have friends who came here on like school visas and they talked when we were in college, talked about trying to get and stay here permanently. And there's a lot of stuff about it that needs to be reset and redone. But I, I'm not sure. The fact is, is if you, for instance, my best friend try to get a job in Ireland And when she looked to get a job in Ireland, they had to go through a lengthy amount of stuff to be able to go through that before she could even look at getting the ability to call for an interview. And so it's like, I think there needs to be some sort of checks and balances because there's a lot of times that we don't need to, I don't want to say allow, that sounds like it's a control thing, but to a degree it is. Like, we need to be able to have some way to make sure that we have the right...
1: People who are going to help the nation. I'm not a fan of full open borders because I just feel like it, you know, everywhere I go, it seems to be a very simple process. And so I feel like we should have that same simple process, but that um, the situation right now is causing a lot of problems. Right. And so we need to address that. Um, And so I'm not for the the other thing is, is this look, um, I think that we can absorb a certain amount of people uh, into our into our society. Um, per you know, per year or whatever. But let's say a hundred million people showed up at the border and like came into America tomorrow, right? This the economy and our society couldn't absorb one third new one in every three people being brand new. It would like completely change everything, right? So I think that there is some limit to the amount that we can absorb in a in a given year. Um, and, and I think that that's sort of an issue. And, and government has tried to fix this problem over and over and over again. If you look at the history of immigration, you look at the history of laws, you know, sometimes they've allowed no people in, sometimes they've allowed 2% of the people in. I mean, they've tried everything. And look, I mean, this is, this is, not, this is a problem that's been going back since to before America was even America. Right, this is going back to the waves of uh, Irish and the and the, and the Italians and the waves of the Chinese into California and, and on and on and on. Right, this is not a new problem, um, and I think that we just need to have a good national discussion that isn't full of fear and and um, and prob- and get down to problem solving. I think that it can be solved in a way that makes it. Um, I don't know, fair or just makes it realistic for all people to have a stake in America and earn the American dream without sacrificing um, kids or human trafficking or any of that kind of stuff and, and kind of just kind of find a middle-of-the-road ground, I think. It's okay to say that you don't have an answer for it. I mean, yeah, I I mean, we do have an answer for it. We do have a policy for it, but I think it's really a complicated issue that isn't just like solved with one easy stroke of the pen. Because whatever one person comes up with, four or five other people are gonna be really upset with it. And I don't think it's kind of like, it's gonna be hard to get consensus on this, like really. I mean, and uh, and it's like, there's many issues in America that are like this where it's hard to get consensus on. And if it was an easy fix, it would have already been done. As an example, homelessness in America, right? everybody's been trying to fix homelessness in America for a long time. If it was super easy, they'd just snap their fingers and they'd do it. What I do know is that government isn't going to be able to fix it because government's been in charge of this for a very long time. Right. And, and their, their, wow. their solutions are always more problems really. You're, well, you're,
3: you're changing the, the topic. I, I get that. <laughs> um, but there's a really easy answer to say okay. to this is that okay. none of us fucking know. None yep. of us fucking know I, I what is, is the answer to the border crisis and yep. what's happening right now. And no, I, we all I, just, have I, I just want fucking somebody to say, I don't fucking know. Nobody fucking knows. Cause I, I that's much, the real I, I answer. I pretty much said that.
1: I pretty much said that. Like, I, he, I think like we all, like I said, we were not going to reach consensus and if it was an easy fix, we would already do it. That pretty much says that I don't have an easy fix. Well, I I get that, but don't don't flow into a a different topic. Uh, Okay, I'm I'm, I just my brain was brainstorming. I wasn't uh, purposely uh, trying to avoid it. No, you're good,
3: man. You're good. You're (laughs) you're on politician uh, stand time, right? (laughs) So, all right. With that being said, um, how the fuck do we fix these motherfucking rogues? The what? The roads? These motherfucking roads? roads. The roads, <laughs> my,
1: my, my roads. Right on. What, about, what about my roads, bro? My roads. How are, yeah. how are we going to have the roads if we don't have the government? Yeah, how are we going to have the roads? I've, I've uh, gotten, my wife's not necessarily a libertarian, but I've got her trained that when we're driving in the car and there's a pothole or something, she just starts preaching out, my roads, my damn the roads. roads. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because, you know, I talk about, um, I'll, I'll post online about we need to abolish the IRS, we need to end the income tax, we need to get rid of the Federal Reserve, and it's always the damn roads. What about my roads and my police departments and my fire departments and, you know, all this stuff, right? And it's like if you show them a budget of the federal government and you say, look on here and tell me where your roads are. (laughs) They're like, well, there's this transportation thing and it's 0.04 of 1%. I'm like, so your roads, nothing's happened to your damn roads. Like shut up about your damn roads. We're we're talking about big, much bigger picture right now. Oh, my roads, roads, my
2: roads. My road. my road. That yeah. is the key to civilized society, don't right, you know? Key. Without your roads, you oh, don't yeah. have civilization. Yeah, we yeah.
1: Need that. Keep,
0: if we keep going like the way we're going, we're not going to have roads. So, I, <laughs> I,
1: I, I <laughs> made a, a point. You know, I I love that thing of like, mm-hmm. if, uh, we have to have a civilized society. We can't have a civilized society without all the taxation and stuff. So then I put. A meme together, and it's like a picture of all the homeless encampments in California, and I'm like, civilized society. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that. preach that, dude.
3: I'm with you on that, 100. And uh, fucked up. What's really funny is before we had income tax, there was fucking roads. I mean, what really? Oh, my God. Oh, it's amazing, right? What? It's amazing. No, dude. That no, no, no. Businesses that... built no, these things out no, to make no, sure no, they no. had things come
1: to them. Mm, no, mm. no. I, I'm pretty sure 1913, income tax is born, and the next day, there's federal highways everywhere. It's amazing. Are you
2: saying there was no firefighters or any of that no? before 1913 no, sh- either?
1: No. Stuff just burned down, We didn't, and <laughs> we didn't rake the forest ever. <laughs> No rake for the forest. Yeah. We gathered around. And we farted on it just to
3: help build that fire. <laughs> so uh, that's, that's what it was. Just shitting on those roads.
0: Used to try uh, to carry buckets of water as the fire department.
2: It's true. Oh. That is that is fact.
0: They used to have
3: uh, They used to have water glass bombs. Actually, too. They used to put up fires, but like water glass bombs so they, they built like a little water bottle like this with glass and you would throw it at the fire
1: okay and it did I've not never do seen, well i've never seen that but you know <laughs> <Not too well. laughs> didn't do well no i saw something <laughs> i saw something crazy today it was like a little video clip of some new military um device and it was basically like a a a kind of a truck with like a, you know, little armature on it. And it shot this like string out. It looked like a rope or something. And it was like just this rope and it's just like flying in the air. And I'm like, what is going on with this thing? And then it kind of like lands on the ground and you see it. And then it just explodes because it's like c C4 or something like that. Right. And it just like completely devastates this giant area in front of it. It was crazy. And I guess it's for taking out whole foxholes or something. Fucking deck cord. The entire maybe. Time? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, it was crazy. I was like, "That's something new I've never seen." Do you, oh, f- maybe Alan. Maybe you need to buy one of those. Just yeah, saying shopping same. list. Just saying. <laughs> Looking up right now. That
2: that makes me think about. I saw Which the other day. Com. They
1: did a. <laughs> God. They did a, can we, a
3: can we talk about how we've all been saying Temu the wrong way.
1: The it Temu. It's
3: it, they had six commercials in the Super Bowl. Just to say Temu. Yeah, it's Temu. Oh boy, Temu.
0: Fuck! Is they like a is that like a midlife crisis type situation? <laughs>
3: <laughs> they're very adamant about their commercials. That it was Temu.
2: Temu. Clearly, they made a mistake if they had to have pay for four commercials to fix the way people are saying it. They need to just let it go at this point. Six.
1: Six. six. Jeez. That's yeah. A lot of That's a lot of money.
2: It's not worth it. Just let it be Timu now. It's okay. It's not worth it. (laughs)
0: Lars,
3: (sighs) I'm sorry that we're so uh, autistic. Apologize for myself and my my cohorts.
1: I fit I fit right in. So I was
2: gonna say it's not like you seemed uncomfortable at this point. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, you know, like I like you know I like I said I grew up super poor. I've done all you know the I've done crazy jobs: dishwasher, grass uh, grease cleaner, outer, you know, uh, bread delivery guy. I, I mean just. I'm much more comfortable in a hoodie and jeans eating a burrito on the side of the road than I am, you know, with this suit. I, I really hate suits and I'm not wearing a tie. I really hate ties. They're really bad, but you kind of have to like put on the, the deal. To be president. So, you know, they want you to be, they they yelled at me because I had a red tie on and that was too Republican for them. And um, I have (laughs) red red ties Uh, are aggressive. I have really long hair. And they, like, one guy told me, you're going to cut that off to be president, right? And I'm like, no. And
2: (laughs) Uh, yeah, it's you, part of, especially for the independent crowd, I would say, don't cut it because a lot of us, that's important. I mean,
0: well, that's your identity. You got to like, you got to yeah. maintain yourself. To everybody wants you to change for their yeah. fucking, for their drive, for their ideology. Just be yourself.
1: I'm not a fan of uh, of Fetterman's politics, but I'm a fan of Fetterman just doing whatever the fuck he wants.
3: I get that, and I agree with that too. <laughs>
1: but I mean, do it in a way that shows how you stand yeah. and what you stand <laughs> for. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think that like people like um, you know Steve Jobs and uh, Zuckerberg and whatever tech guys um, they often don't dress up anymore because they're just like we don't care and we're not that New York you know banker people or whatever um, and they kind of have broke the mold of that stuff a little bit and I think that's why Fetterman's able to do what he's able to do um, and I think you're going to see that more and more um, just people like. Not dressing down all the time, but you know, being a little bit more relaxed. Everybody doesn't have to be so stuck up, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I
0: still that. think
1: Federman's a psyop though. 100 <laughs> like percent That dude
0: fucking trips me out, dude. Like the way that he acts and the way that he, uh, promotes, it, he presents himself yeah, everywhere.
1: That's uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. He very like a, a
3: fucking tuxedo hoodie.
1: Yeah, very likely.
3: Like, hey, I'm in a tuxedo hoodie. To this tuxedo event, here I am, guys. I'm, I'm fucking just spotlighting for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, dude, that, that that guy's butthole has to be just gleaming. with do <laughs> <it. laughs> uh, you always go there, man? What the uh. fuck? <laughs> saying,
2: oh, yeah. Let's see, we've had I'm feet just, and buttholes. But yeah,
0: the was say, fucking feet and fucking buttholes. Well, no, guys, I gotta
2: to go.
1: Yeah,
0: dude, <laughs> <the> brightest flashlight
3: <laughs> coming out of his butthole. You just crossed the ever, line. I gotta, president's gotta go now, bro. <laughs>
0: he just to say you go. talked about it with Sorry, the president. Larry. That's all. <laughs> I
3: just, I don't agree with it. Like it, there, it's a psyop. Like it, it's, it's fucked up, man. There has to be a, like literally just a LED light. That's the brightest LED light you've ever seen just shining down every time he takes a shit.
1: It could be a robot.
2: Robot, robot.
3: could
1: be. could be a robot. Could be. Be a robot. Yeah. could be a robot. With AI. Who knows? Oh man.
2: Don't get me started on AI. You guys know that freaks me out.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I want a crystal ball really bad. And I think in a couple of years I could probably have one. I have one. No, like a real one. <laughs> <laughs> <So good. laughs> no, seriously though, like a real one, like AI.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I know.
3: Sorry, Lars. We're, yeah,
0: we're driven don't don't out here. Yeah, we've been we've been going out for quite a while. Lars, uh, I just wanna thank you once again here going out almost two hours with you here uh getting to talk with you about various issues i just want to apologize to everybody because i think it's working now but um i i, I was using the camera microphone the entire episode for some uh, reason it was, working. I, it
1: was i could hear you it was working. okay
0: good okay as long as it was working okay but the sound quality could have been better so
1: yeah <laughs> now you sound pro
0: yeah for sure okay word yeah, I, I opened up my sound window. I was like, oh, okay, that, that would probably be why. Click. <laughs> All right, But, yeah, anyways, um, so everybody, thanks again for joining us on the Anti-Politics Podcast. Um, as always, we, we haven't said, said it for a little bit here. Drink your fucking water. Stay hydrated. Train hard every single day. Um, don't lift fucking max weight every single day for fuck's sakes. Um, have you ever read Mike Benzer's book, It's Fucking Awful? Jesus Christ.
2: <laughs> and now we've talked I, I about didn't, that. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't
0: straight mean straight. to launch a stray in that guy's direction, but what I'm saying is <laughs> take care yeah. of yourself and uh, make sure that you recover properly. Um, eat well, drink lots of water, tr- drive by train every single day. And don't forget to visit myarkid.com and use our code DYFWH20 to get yourself a free month of an online digital photo album that you can use for Basically, whatever, and pass on to whoever you choose for free. So,
3: feet pick calendar said. coming
0: soon. Hey, <laughs> yes, Alan's feet pick calendar is coming soon.
3: Well, Laura um, says he's in, so he's <laughs> in. I know.
2: Now There's we eight have eight a now. presidential candidate, so we're we're just moving right up the list. We'll get there. We'll keep you in. We'll keep you in the loop. I got it going. The list is strong. <laughs>
3: sparkling, them sparkling toes. Yeah. All right,
0: everybody. Thanks for joining us. Lars, man, thanks for coming on the show, man. Thank you. Thank you. It's fine. No problem. We appreciate
2: it big time.
0: Alan, you got to say it, man.
2: We're waiting. I love you. Bye.
0: There it is. We love you. Bye. Thanks for joining us on the Anti Politics Podcast. Take care.